When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Just before we start the pod this week, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's reviewed the podcast over the last week on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank JT, Leon and Jonathan for their comments to say it's a must-listen podcast for Borough fans, so I really do appreciate that. Appreciate that. We're so close to 200 reviews globally on Apple Podcasts, so if you haven't already, do give us a five-star rating on there if you enjoy this pod. And also, Spotify listeners, you can now review the Borough Breakdown podcast on Spotify. So if you click on our profile on Spotify, you can also give us a five-star rating too if you enjoy it. So, right then, this week we chat about Borough's big win against Bournemouth and identify three players in the praising place. We chat about Borough News with Andy Scott joining the Borough to head up recruitment. We chat to Craig Johns from the Gazette about Borough's transfer business. We look ahead to Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day and of course we answer your podcast questions this is the Borough Breakdown Podcast and this is our Master Chatter in a pod support Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air Fleming for Craig Hignett hit it Higgy Higgy hits the track Abanelli coming alive again Janino wants the ball played to him Abanelli spots out Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Bullock, Dana Malt and Tom Green. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all the Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And on Saturday, Borough found themselves two points off the playoff places with a 1-0 win over promotion chase in Bournemouth, thanks to a goal from Andras Spura. Guys, as always, I want to know how you're feeling. Uh, Tom, do you want to go first? Let me know how you're feeling in three words. We're going up. <laughs> uh, not honestly, optimistic at all. No? No, no, no. It's probably a bit bit soon to be going that far, but like that's the just general feeling of optimism I'm having at the moment. Just watching some of these performances, I think when when Warnock was in charge, you'd probably like be looking at, at Bournemouth as a game where we're likely to get beat at the Riverside, and I still thought it might happen uh, under Wilder, but it, it was a great performance yesterday, um, and it's just. It's so good to see how how strong of a, a team we are looking now. Oh yeah, well, very glowing, glowing praise, Tom. I feel like you should get a title on your backside if you're that confident. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you're interested in doing that, you can get a wet for wilder in your ass or something. I don't know. That's really, who knows. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling in, in in three words? I'd probably say just very simply, very very good because after that game yesterday it was a real statement of intent and that's probably the three words that I'd pick to describe the uh, the events that we saw yesterday at the game um, and I think it shows that we're going in the right direction under Chris Wilder. 
Okay, so both glowing praises from the pair here. Um, I'm going to go with oh, Dale Fry Lighthouse. Um, I thought he was just brilliant yesterday. He's definitely going to be uh, mentioning the praise and place very shortly. But I think overall, I think it was superb to have him back in the back line. And I know it was a lot of chat around him, you know, him and Salt Bamba. What would the competition bring? I think there's there's no competition at all. I think he was absolutely splendid, splendid yesterday. I mean, continue that then. We're all for it. But let's chat about the game yesterday. Um, Dana, how would you assess Boris' performance against Bournemouth? I really enjoyed it. I think for the first 10, 15 minutes, we were really good and we should have been 1-0 up within five. Matt Crooks bringing out a, a good save from Travers. And to be fair, that move was was really good. When you see it, it starts from a Joel Lumley kick up the, up, up the field, but when that move begins, there's only two Borough players in Bournemouth's half, uh, Sparan Jones. By the time in which Jones delivers the ball into the box, there's Watmore, there's Taylor, there's Spira, there's Crooks, and then there's Tav on the D. So that's one thing that I've, one of many things that I've noticed under Chris Wilder is that you're going to have a plethora of options um, in the final third. But then after that, I think Bournemouth did suss us out a little bit. It was clear that they were cutting uh, down those those passing lanes and they were forcing Dykesdale in particular onto his weaker left foot. They were forcing him inside. And that's why I think we we struggled a little bit building the ball out from, from the back. And I think that's why we saw passes between the centre-halves and then Tolomne and then up the pitch. But second half, I, I mean, we, we had to we had to play that first half quite with a bit of luck, to be honest, and we and we got that. And then in the second half, we really needed to start well, and we did, very similarly to the first half. And then Bournemouth, to be fair, they were very poor, but Borough were, were fantastic, I thought. Tom, what do you, what do you think? Uh, fairly similar. I, I thought the, the first five minutes we were unlucky not to be ahead. And I thought we, we came out with a specific kind of game plan within that first five minutes because it seemed like we were having a lot of luck uh, in in trying the long balls over the top for Sparrow and Jones to run onto because they were playing such a high line. It was it was making it possible for us to do that. Um, like Dana said, Bournemouth did kind of suss us out after that, but I thought we defended really well against Solanke. We weren't allowing him too much space to run into behind our defence, and any, any balls that did go through were generally overhit and Lumley or got onto it, or it, it usually went out of play. And then second half was just completely uh, different. Um, what Dana mentioned there about Dysil being shown onto his left hand side, I didn't notice that too much more in the um, in the second half because what I did see was he was trying to dribble his way out of out of those uh, situations a little bit more, and it was similar for for Fry and McNair as well. Um, and we weren't trying those balls over the top within the second half. It was uh, playing out from the back in the midfield, seemed to be dropping a bit bit deeper to accommodate that as well, and it just worked so much better. Um, but all, overall, a strong performance against, uh, like, I mean, regardless of, of recent form, strong Bournemouth team uh, weren't one I was particularly looking forward to, to facing. But I thought we we stood up to them and took everything they had really well um, and then deserved the win by the end of the game. Yeah, it's interesting that you both mentioned Bora's early success. Um and Middlesbrough found a lot of joy getting in that half space and running behind. But why do you think they'd be able, able to do that, Tom, before we were, were initially sussed out? I think it's just because of how high a line that Bournemouth were playing. Um, you look at the... I don't know the guy's name who was... It was Mark and Jones, but he was having a terrible time. He's a mirror. Because, yeah. I, I, 
I thought they kept saying Zamora on the TV. <laughs> I was like, right, I don't <laughs> think it's him. Um, yeah, but he just really wasn't having much luck against Jones at all. Jones had the measure of him and he had the pace to beat him constantly. Uh, and we, I thought we had uh, a lot of success playing over, over him for, for Jones to run onto, but also for Sparrow and Watmart to run onto um, behind the defensive line. Obviously, it's something they picked up on kind of fairly soon after the first five, ten minutes and, and pretty much put a stop to that. And they were trying to force us to play it along. Uh, so, you know, the likes of Cahill could uh, could win it in the air, uh, dropping a little bit deeper, but definitely at the, the first five, ten minutes, I think that's the reason we had uh, so much success with that particular tactic. It was it was almost like a return to long ball, but this time there was actually a, a reason for doing it, not just giving them the ball back. Yeah, I think you can add to that as well. And I think with, with the high line, I think one, I think it's suicide <clears throat> from Parker to play that because of Gary Cahill's pace. Um, I think you've got to be a very, very good centre-half to play such a high line uh, to do that. But then also I thought the gaps between the centre-backs and their full-backs was huge. For, for many reasons, of course, they'll, they'll look to play an expansive back line because they'll want to try and stretch Borough because we, we tend to be quite compact in our defensive play. Um, and I thought they were trying to, if they were, if they were to move the ball very quickly, they would have created spaces. But that very, that gap between the full backs and the centre backs was huge. And I think with uh, layering in with the, with the high line as well, I think it just forced Millsborough to, to well, it didn't force us. We had a very good attack about us or incentive to try and get the ball in behind for Spurra and what more to run on to. Um, but Dana, Bora looked very fluid in the shape um, from a 3-5-2 uh, with the ball and 4-4-2 without. Why do you think Bora have been very fluid in their rotations uh, with and without the ball? Well, I, I noticed it was sometimes a 5-3-2 more than a, a 4-4-2. But when you have a 4-4-2, obviously there's two banks of four and there's a lot of limited uh, space and you have to, it basically forces the opposition to play in between the lines. But when you've got wing-backs like, obviously, Neil Taylor and, and Isaiah Jones, they can tuck in when it becomes a five at the back. And obviously, with the with the midfield three as well, because we've got Tav, who I guess I'm sure started his career as a, as a left-back. I've said that a few times, but I'm going to have to double-check that because I'm not sure. I'm pretty I'm almost certain that he played a few games at left-back. But obviously, he's come through the academy as a as a wide player, he can tuck into those, I guess, left-hand uh, half spaces. And you see that with Matt Crooks as well. So off the ball, I was sure it was absolutely fantastic yesterday. And I did notice there was a bit of, of man-marking, which didn't really seem to to be too much of a problem because, again, I, our shape was was just so so good and, and thorough and, and, and thought through as well. Well, you can definitely tell that Chris Wilder's been getting the grids out and trying to be in playing certain shapes, and people can't get into certain parts of the play. But um, when you when you break down four phases for football, of course, you have possession without possession, the transition, um, and then when you try to steal it as well. Um, but when Middlesbrough are without the ball, Tom Middlesbrough looking very very hard to break down, completely different in comparison to Wolfsburg, aren't we? But why is that? Yeah, definitely. I thought yesterday, although we did look like a 5-3-2 slash 4-4-2 without the ball, I thought we were very compact. Um, and what we were, what I saw a couple of examples of, especially in the first half, uh, was quite compact in the middle of the field and forcing the, uh, Bournemouth to go out wide, which we seemed quite happy to do. Obviously, I think we only gave up one kind of major chance from that, which was Solanke's header, which God knows how he missed. Um I mean, thankfully, he didn't, he didn't score it. But um, 
we, we seemed happy forcing them out wide because it was stopping them from getting the balls in behind for Solanke to run onto. Um, and I just I, we mentioned this a little bit last week as well, but the pressing from us is much more intelligent now. We do look to to cut passing lanes, and everyone does it together rather than certain people pressing it at, at, at different times. Everyone. You, you can see how we we push out from that compact shape to to force them out wide and and eventually force these crosses into the box, which with three centre backs we're we're quite adept at clearing up. Absolutely, I think you can thank the one kind of way because we were playing so much at three at the back and the very compact centre halves, and the players he has brought in at times to to thank us for that because across in the box for us we seem to always resolve it quite quickly. Um, but for all of Borough's good play yesterday, without especially without the ball. Dana, what's your thoughts on Bournemouth? Because earlier you said you weren't particularly impressed by them. Seem to be a bit found out, don't they, under under Scott Parker? You're trying to reel me in to say that Scott Parker is a fraud, aren't you? Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Scott Parker is a fraud. No, not <laughs> quite that deep. But I don't really rate him as a manager, if I'm being honest. I had a little dip into the Bournemouth forums before the game and after the game and there's a lot of discontent from them there was a lot of question marks over him at Fulham as well from Fulham fans and I think tactically he's been found out a little bit the the sort of data people of the world have been saying how they have been overperforming and I guess their recent form they're they've been found out and they're showing really that they're performing now really how they should so yeah, they were they were disappointing in the second half. There were just little things that weren't coming off for them. Phil Billing in the in the second half had a fantastic opportunity to run into space and he just hit the ball about ten yards in front of him. It was a really bad touch. And I think that epitomised them in the second half. They they were misplaced passes. Lloyd Kelly had a bit of a, a bit of a struggle building out from the back. Um, they just they, they they were off in the second half, and it really played into Bora's hands. But having said that, Bora needed to to do their job, and and they did. And I did read a lot of uh, a lot of one Bora after the game, and a lot of those people on there were shitting themselves during the game. And I must admit, from the from the East Stand in the second half, I wasn't really shitting myself. I, mm. I felt that there was a degree of comfort. Uh, of course there was that chance towards the end where it was a good save from Lumley it has to be said where he just gets his outstretched foot on it but yeah I didn't feel like they were particularly threatening to be honest I never thought that they would score Mm. Yeah I agree with you I I felt fairly relaxed as well Um, for all of the possession that I had at times there just seemed to be no like there's no Apart from the mistakes that we made, there was no real clear-cut chance. I thought that the, the cut was open uh, at all. I think when you look at Scott Parker, I think he doesn't need to adapt um, because I think at, the, at this moment in time, as, as, as it was like at Fulham, um, he, he does get found out and I don't think he has the answer to try and combat his current style. Uh, but, there, you know, there is, obviously, there is a huge bonus for Borough, but there, I did see on on, on one Borough, that, um, not one Borough, sorry, on a couple of the... the <laughs> Bournemouth uh, forums that they were after Jonathan Woodgate back, which was quite intriguing. Really? Yeah, Jonathan Woodgate returned oh, to wow. Bournemouth. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Um, but we'll, we'll let's move on because for for all, all of Bournemouth's performance yesterday and the an episode of things, um, Middlesbrough finally beaten someone who was above six, above sixteenth, uh, which we didn't do, of course, under Neil Warnock. Um, Underwild, we now have beat Bournemouth, we've beat Swansea, we've beat Huddersfield already, we've drawn with Stoke, of course. All the teams that in and around that playoff position. 
there seems to be a, a little bit of a steeliness to this side now, is doesn't the Tom? You know, three clean sheets on the bounce now as well. Yeah, it's great to see, and I, I think it just kind of goes back to to what I was just saying there. The fact that we are more compact about the ball, and and we're tactically more intelligent. We are forcing teams kind of out out wide, or, or forcing them to do what we want in when they're attacking, rather than forcing uh, rather than obviously playing through us like previously there would have been. Um, it's just good to see because it, it's so well organized. Everyone knows the job. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be, and I think that's. That's clear in in some of like the blocks you'll see from the the long range shots, kind of that we're keeping out to the edge of the box. Uh, everyone's always in place to block them. You know, there was that game a couple of games ago, uh, Swansea, where McNair cleared it off the line. I, like I said at the time, I don't think under Warnock he would have been in that position to to clear it off the line. Um, yeah, it's it's just so well organised. Um, and like I say, it just seems everyone knows the job now, which is a complete, you know, opposite of what we saw in the early stages of the season. Mm, absolutely. Dana, and obviously with that as well, there's, there's like I was saying, there's a stay on this, this side, especially without the ball, but with the ball playing out from the back now, there's, you know, it still needs to be a little bit improved, but it seems like there's, there's definitely an identity there, isn't there? Yeah, we're in our early John Stones at Man City era, I think, where it's, you're going to be a little bit on edge. And we definitely did play dangerously in the first half and a lot of their chances did come through our mistakes. But I'm I'm kind of fine with, with us playing out from the back. It's clearly a tactic that Chris Wilder wants to move forward with. And it's what I've really wanted, the possession football. And it does come with an element of risk. But I think with that, patience and trust is needed. And certainly for me, that's what... The players are going to get. I'm going to trust that they can, they can do that, and it, it will be a case of them growing into that and getting used to it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mad at it to be honest. I know there were a few groans yesterday because, especially after uh, the point in which I think Housen uh, passed it to Jaden Anthony, and we really got away with it. He should have put that one away, but I don't mind it. Hmm. Yeah, the, I, don't, you, I do mind us giving a, a Bournemouth player a chance, but I don't mind us playing out for the back. It, it definitely comes back to like that. If you're looking to bring in a centre defensive midfielder in the in the in the January wind, or you definitely want someone who's a bit more ball playing. I think in comparison to in compared to Towson, um, I think when you when exactly when you when you're talking about that that four that four layers of football, I think when when we are with the ball, there is an element where we probably have to improve on. It's just like the angles where I think we have to try to improve on. I think you know there's a little half space here and there where we're not we're just not in the right positions yet. But you can definitely see that identity stand starting to come through. But I think there's especially like you're saying there, the John Stones era. Um we're we're very, very much in that. And I think there's there's a couple of players I think we need to bring in with a bit more quality on the ball to to really help that flourish. But overall I'm I'm very impressed with it as well. It does take time to implement these things, but I think overall, I think it's been relatively quite positive. But let's talk about Andros Sparadena because finally breaking his duck. This comes back to our conversation from a couple of podcasts ago uh, where we were regarding stats versus contribution and what does the player really bring? Um, because if appreciate stats don't explain everything, but they do give us a good story. Uh, but sometimes that third pass doesn't count to a big contribution. Um, he's a quality asset, but he's just lacking goals, isn't he? Um what does he need to do to try and add to this tally a little bit more? It's a difficult one because what I noticed under Neil Warnock and what I noticed when I was watching a few of his games at Sporting as well is that 
whenever he wasn't involved in the play, he dropped deep. He dropped really deep in midfield to get involved. And one of the criticisms of him, and it might not necessarily be solely down to him, but in recent games, taking uh, the game against Bournemouth out of the equation, he's had a very low number of touches. So he's not really been involved too much. And with that, we saw it under Warnock where he he did drop deep. There was a game against Cardiff where he dropped really deep. He, he went into almost a house and position in midfield. You could see him do that again. I mean, out of him and Watmore, he's probably the link, I would say. He's probably the one that is going to tie that, that, that duo together and also the midfield as well because he's got fantastic link-up play. We've seen it already. But maybe he just needs a little bit of luck as well. I don't know, a, a shot to ricochet off his backside or something like that to really get, get him going. Obviously, he got that goal yesterday from a penalty, but I think he does need to contribute a lot more from open play and hopefully we can see that. If it means him dropping deep in midfield, then so be it in that Harry Kane mold, I guess. But, uh, mold, I guess. but yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of promise and potential in Andres Barat. I would love to see him when we do get it right with him because I think he could be a really, really big asset for us. Tom, what do you think? I thought yesterday we saw some some signs that he's going to to get there eventually. There there were a couple of balls in behind for him to run onto. I, I think like like Dan has said previously, I think when we first signed him, he does point a lot where he wants the ball and 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 kind of runs onto it. And he did that yesterday. I think he was unlucky not to score. Uh, you know, about five minutes before we got the penalty. Um, I think what they were saying on the commentary at the time, which I do agree with, is that he should have tried to dink it over the keeper there rather than hitting it low and giving the the keeper the chance to save it with his foot. Um, so maybe just work on on finishing a little bit, just uh, a wider range of of shots rather than trying to drill it, which we've we've seen him have success with. Um, but you know, if he widens that up a bit and just has a different variation of finishing. You know, it, it opens him up to to score on a few more. I think Absolutely. it is an interesting point about sorry, Johnny. It, it is an interesting point about his finishing because there seems to be an idea that he's maybe not so much of a clinical finisher, but he's much more clinical than he is. And one of the things that I found the general consensus of him from Sporting fans is that he's he's very erratic with his finishing. And certainly, when I was watching a few clips from him at Sporting, I. I could agree. I could agree that he was right. We've seen it already at Middlesbrough, actually, at Hull, where he had two chances, I think, where he should have done better with both of them. So, yeah, finishing, I would say, is probably his weakest point. So, with him, I suppose it's really harnessing what he's good at. And with Chris Wilder, when we saw it at Sheffield United, you had David McGoldrick being the one to drop deep and link the play, and then Billy Sharp would be the poacher. Once we get that mix up... Uh, then that would be a, a really good combination, I think. And Spira for me is that link-up striker. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He's, his movement off the ball is absolutely sensational. I think it's probably by far probably the best in the championship. I think um, he he's, he does create the opportunities. But I'm going to sound very football cliche here. Uh, I'm going to say that I think he needs to be a bit more arrogant, a bit more selfish when he has the chance. Um, because and obviously he's going to get the tally up a little bit more, but. I think sometimes as a striker, I think I think Spira is guilty of trying to contribute to the team too much, if that makes sense. Um, but I'd like to see him, you know, 
maybe be a bit more arrogant, take a shot on, take take the chance. And I appreciate that's very cliche, but it's just uh, I think for me, I think that's probably what he needs to do to try and because he's got he's got the movement there, he's getting in the positions, but sometimes just not you know it's I've not being that selfish or arrogant enough to to try and get the the strike away. But let's chat about Neil Taylor really quickly because his first appearance on a Boris shirt. Um, it was like he's never been away from football, Tom, wasn't it? Because how would you because his performance was was fairly strong yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I thought he uh, he slotted into the team quite well um, and and showed what he was about. I think he was clearly eager eager to uh, impress. Uh, you know, he's only got a short term contract till till January, I think it was. Um, and I thought that worked to his disadvantage a couple of times. I thought he he tried to do a little bit too much. Um, but overall, very strong performance. And yeah, there's no reason why he can't be the one competing with Bowler for for that number three shirt. Do you think he's got? Do you think he's got a good chance of, of competing or of getting a competing, contract yeah. extension? Competing. Well, well, both really. There's, there's the opportunity for both. I, th- I think I don't want to get too carried away after one game about a uh, contract extension. But I thought he did well yesterday, and if he can keep that up consistently, there's there's no reason why he can't compete. Um, and you know, I think he'll probably have chances over the next few few games to to kind of try and keep that up. If he does, then absolutely extend the contract in in January. Yeah, it's definitely a low risk move for Borough. I think he was he was excellent yesterday, um, especially coming in after so long and not playing. And I think he, he could give Ball the, the 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 competition he needs. He doesn't need another James husband. He needs someone who is going <laughs> to come in and and try and fight for the shirt. But let's let's move into praise and place. Um, it's the place where we do give praise for for one or two players in particular. And who's your then who who's your player you want to praise the most this week? I've got two. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dale Fry is my first one because yeah. he's the out and out centre half in that trio. Obviously, you've got Dyke Steele, who's a what even is Dyke Steele? A, a central defensive midfielder turned right back turned centre half, and then Paddy McNair's a centre half turned centre midfielder turned attacking right. midfielder um, turned right yeah. wing back turned whatever. Paddy McNair is everything. Um, but he's Dale Fry's the one that's that's been set in stone as that centre half, and it was almost a coming of age performance from from Dale Fry yesterday. I know he's twenty four; he's not eighteen. This isn't a kid we're talking about, but still, Fry has been. You could say he, he's sometimes been that player that has been a little bit in the shadow of another centre half, but he really stood out yesterday. He stood out, and he was very bold in his performance. And Dom Solanke is a former England. Uh, under 21 and under 20 teammate of Dale Fry. I think they won the, yeah. the under 20 World Cup together. Yeah, and, and I think he did his homework. He knew everything about Dom Solanke's game, really, and you could tell from from that performance yesterday. So he was really good. And I also want to give a shout-out to Onel Hernandez because I did mention on the t- Twitter spaces a couple of weeks ago that he was doing my tits in the way that he was. He just didn't, he didn't have that effectiveness of releasing the ball quick enough. But in his cameos of late, he's done that. He almost created, well, he did create a chance for Spry against Stoke, which he should have done better with. And then, yeah, I mean, he scored yesterday, didn't he? But it wasn't, it it, it was offside. Fantastic celebration again. Mm. And yeah. that was probably the humorous point of the game. The fact that he was doing that Sergio Aguero top-off celebration and the, the linesman was just a couple of yards away from him with the flag up. It was it was brilliant. He does love a good, outrageous celebration, doesn't he, Oinel Hernandez? <laughs> he does. I was laughing. Really, honestly, yeah. I was I was laughing at that for a good ten minutes after it happened. It shows oh, that we're like we're, 
Go on, Tom. I was going to say, is that the second goal he scored where he took his top off afterwards? He's turning <laughs> like the new Leroy leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the beauty of it is, like, the first one he scored against Forrest was an absolute tapping. <clears throat> and then, like, this one, like, was, you know, it was this, what, four, five, six yards away? I mean, it's, it's a great finish. Like, it it's a great finish. finish. But, I mean, shirt off moment, probably, I don't know. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he must, he must, he must, absolutely must love a fine. But also, it, it does like hammer home that we're still very much in the banter era, and it's not going anywhere, anywhere soon. So um, it was Tom... good though because it stopped Bournemouth from attacking. So oh, yeah, yeah. obviously, he didn't do that with the intention of like stopping Bournemouth from attacking because he genuinely thought he scored. But in the end, it was it was quite funny. I mean, imagine that you score a goal, but it doesn't, it, it's disallowed, and then you get yellow carded for your celebration. Bit yeah, of a double still... whammy. <laughs> Surely he must have like looked over like when he scored and then like mm. just. But I feel like he just must have just done it anyway. It's like ah, I don't care. Whoa. The what best the thing about <laughs> Loki, the best thing about it is Yusuf. Yusuf in the frame pointed at him, and Yusuf can see the the linesman, and both of them just celebrating because they just caught up in the moment. It was brilliant. Oh, that's absolutely superb. Uh, Tom, are we going to go off on the present place this week? Oh, I'm probably going to go for Tav, and I know that's probably going to annoy uh, some people who, like on Twitter who, who haven't liked him for ages, but I thought yesterday was a, a very good performance from him. I thought his range of passing was immense at times. There was um, a video clip of, of one of the passes where he like just hits it on the volley to, I can't Crooks. remember who it was, Crooks, Crooks in the centre circle. What a ball that was. Um but also something I noticed about him yesterday, which I've never seen him do before, is he was competing and using his strength so much more, uh, either to hold the ball up or to win it back. It's a part of his game I didn't know he had, because usually you think back to, to the times we've seen Tav over the last couple of years, he'll try and dribble his way out of danger. Um, he never really uses his strength that much, but he was he was using it so well yesterday, winning the ball back and, and holding it up. So... He's starting to look a, a bit more of a complete centre midfielder uh, from adding that aspect into his game, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Tav yesterday, I can, it, comes, it comes back to that conversation we've, we've had previously around statistics and contributions and trying to find the balance of what a player can potentially bring to a side and appreciate there's a lot of things for Tav in terms of stats which might help him, but there's also be stuff that will hinder him. And then with his performance yesterday, I think he was, I agree with Tom. I thought he was absolutely superb at times. Appreciate he can he can be the most frustrated. Well, do you think he can be the most frustrating player on the pitch at times? Because, you know, some of the chances he gets himself in and you just think, like, you should be putting that away. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, you, you think about the one towards the end of the game where it's like, oh, if you just took a touch and took that down, you'd have probably had a much better chance. Uh, to take that down. The one, the, yeah, the one at the end where Hernandez crosses yeah and he hit it on his right ah. foot i don't know i think he could have I don't done think he had the time too I, I think he was in quite a bit of space hmm. um yeah i mean if you take take the right touch there and kind of take it away from the gate but then you've you've got a chance i think it would have been better than hitting it on your weak foot on the volley um but you know, there's been other times this season where it's like dropped him on the edge of the box and he's like hammered it into row Z and stuff. <laughs> and you, you think with the amount of chances he had, his goal uh, tally should be higher. And especially like you, you think back to like the Millwall game last season, I think it was, where he was just like pinging shots into the far corner from outside the box. I think he just needs to score one and kind of get his groove back for that. And then he'll, the rest of the goals will come. But 
you know, yeah, he can be frustrating at times, but he, he offers too much to the team to uh, to mm. to kind of overlook the rest of it, really. Yeah, there's obviously there's, there's I think yeah, like I was saying, it comes back to that conversation again. But I think with the contribution he's he's bringing it to the overall team and the setup, I think he's he's instrumental. Really, I think it'd be interesting to see if he stays at the end of the season, or of course in January, you never know. Um, with Leeds with Leeds injury crisis at the moment, um, it'd be interesting to see what he brings next season. I think next season could be a very very good year for Tav if he if he was to to stay at the club. Um. In terms of my praise and place, I think my player would be it again. I think Dale Fry, I think, yeah, I thought he was excellent yesterday, read the game really well, made things really difficult for Solanke. And I just thought the back three in general, really compact at times, made things really difficult. And I think that's just like the foundation that we need at times. You know, all great teams are built from a really solid defence. And I think with Borough, we have to, of course, keep working on that and try to improve things. But I think overall, I think we're really, really solid at the moment. And I think Chris Wilder deserves a lot of credit for what he's done in such a short space of time to make us more resolute at the back. But yeah, I think Dale Fry probably the standout players player. But of all, of course, Dyke Steele and, and McNair, I thought they were absolutely superb yesterday. And the way, just the way we move in terms of shape as well, from like if we have to move to a four and maybe Dyke to move to more of a right back position or the edge of the box, it's just all really solid. Um, I think I can't praise the team enough at times yesterday. I thought, probably arguably the best performance in the second half I've seen all season from a Borough side. And I'll probably say it's probably the best tactically performance I've seen from a Borough team in a long time as well. We just seem to be in a completely different place now from, from where we were previously earlier on in the season as well. But let's get let's move on, guys. Um, let's let's chat about uh, some Borough news this week. Um, and Borough looks set to appoint a new head of recruitment with Andy Scott coming from Swansea to take the helm. Tom... Middlesbrough seem to be heading in a completely different direction. Um, so how how would you feel about it? Because off off the pitch, it seems that things are starting to change. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm quite uh, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what happens in January. To be honest, it'll be um, Karen Scott's first official window, and obviously we we hopefully have a new head of recruitment coming in as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what it brings because you look at the last few years the the recruitment hasn't been that great. Um and I think the the last time you can go back to you know a good spell of recruitment was under Karanka when we had Peter Kenyon involved as well. Uh and that seemed to you know we seem to have a, a link with uh, Mendes. Um and, and we were bringing in good players off the back of that. And that was that was a complete change in direction from what we had before and it, it was effective. And then it just seemed like we reverted to type after after that. Um so now that we're going in this different way, where it just it does seem to be a more considered, uh, you know, way, way of moving forward with recruitment and you know tactically and stuff, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, what January has to bring, especially considering the fact that you know Wilder's been saying we're trying to get most of this done early on. I think Warnock said we're also trying to do it early on last January, and it still went down to the last day. Um, but it if it, it does feel different this time. Um, mm. you know, with, with the the backroom additions that we've got, and considering the fact that after Warnock was, uh, you know, left by mutual consent, um, he, he, he was saying that uh, certain people in the backroom team didn't want him to sign players. Uh, you know, I, I do think that this time everyone's on the right page, and it's going to happen early. Absolutely, um, and obviously, of course, what you're saying there, Tom Brown and Kieran Scott just coming in. You know, mm. Andy Scott uh, as well, just. Just after it'd probably be just after the January window that it officially starts, but Rome wasn't built in a day with, with any of these things, and it could take time to try and identify these players, couldn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. But I do think we'll have already been looking at that for, for quite a while, you know, um, with the experience that Kieran Scott and Andy Scott both have. Um, they're, they're likely going to be bringing a lot of knowledge with them anyway of, of certain players and, and who's going to fit into this system. Um, so, I, I, you know, I do think they'll have they'll have already come in with an idea of who they want to sign and who's going to fit into this system. But I think it'll just be an ongoing process from now on to to identify certain players who are going to fit into this style of play. Absolutely. Um, Scott's going to be a very busy man in, in January time. Um, but we want to get a media perspective this week. So this week we chatted to Craig Johns from the Gazette about what he thinks about Bora so far and what to what to expect for Bora this January. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In simple terms, have I been impressed with the transformation under Chris Wilder so far? Absolutely, yes. But adding more meat to that bone, I think, you know, first and foremost, results. This is a results-driven business and results are the most important thing in football. Uh, and three wins, two draws and just one defeat so far is an excellent start for Chris Wilder. And of course, especially when you take into account that the one defeat to Preston barring seven or eight crazy minutes could have quite easily been a win and probably should have been too. Um, so yeah, I mean, results from a start point have been, you know, very positive um, and it is looking good. But I think more than that, and I think even more infusing than that, has been the performances under Chris Wilder and the clear direction and style of play that it, that this team is going in under his, uh, his leadership. I think, you know, listen, I'm not going to be an after-timer, um, everybody knows it was well documented that I liked Neil Warnock and, and also that I didn't have any particular issues with his style of play. I think when it when it works, it is effective. 
but you need the right players to play that way. And, and it was becoming evidently clear that, you know, he didn't quite have the the players that he needed to play the way he wanted to play. And, and ultimately, that's why the change came, because with, with his deal ultimately being short term, it didn't really make a lot of sense for the club to recruit in January for Neil Warnock, knowing that he'd be gone in the summer. And so the changes happened. Chris Wilder comes in and, as we say, this new exciting style of play, which, you know... I, while I, I didn't have a problem with Neil Warnock's style of play, and while I think that when it works, it's effective, um, it's it's night and day between Chris Wilder's style of play and Chris Wilder's style of play is undoubtedly you know more enjoyable to watch. And not just that, it does look and it does appear now that it is more suited to this group of players that Middlesbrough have. Um, you know, since he's come in, he's actually made um, players a lot more available for interview. We do interviews with players at least once, sometimes twice a week now. And and what's been evident in speaking uh, every player we have done uh, so far, they all talk about his style, the training, the way that he wants them to play now in games and how much they're enjoying it. And I think that's crucial as well, because I think, you know, football is a human. And I think in, 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 in any walk of life, in any job, you you produce better when you enjoy it and i think that's what we're seeing with middlesbrough the transformation has been absolutely incredible and and you know not just players but i think fans you can sense in the stadium um that atmosphere change and how much they're enjoying it and and, and so they should because it is a really attractive brand of football to watch you know, to to come on to the second part of the question, which is what is needed in January. Um, I think ultimately what you know, Chris Wilder spelled it out clearly. He's not hidden away from the fact that he wants Middlesbrough to be active, and he wants Middlesbrough to be active quite quickly as well, and and quite clearly in this. Uh, you know, there's a new kind of recruitment structure and recruitment team in place at Middlesbrough now. Uh, this will kind of be the first transfer window really for Kieran Scott officially at the club. Um. And, and and Chris Wilder also and, and, and clearly speaking uh, to Chris Wilder there is a lot of work already gone into uh into preparing for January and, and quite clearly there'll be some players that they, they need to move out. We know that they have a squad of, of twenty five of twenty four players registered currently and you can only have a maximum of twenty five. Uh so clearly to bring players in there are going to be need to be players leaving as well. Uh so obviously there's going to be an effort to to move players, but also from a you know, financial start standpoint, Middlesbrough and Steve Gibson are, are one of the strongest uh, voices uh, among the AFL clubs in terms of being sustainable and running more sustainably. Um, and, and, and so those um, profit and sustainability rules that are in place in the championship, you know, have to be a day to by Middlesbrough because it would uh, it would look a bit hypocritical, wouldn't it, if, if Middlesbrough didn't do that. Uh, so, of course, from not just a, a, a squad numbers standpoint, but also a financial standpoint, players will need to be moved out. And, and Chris Wilder does already have a good idea of who he would like to move out. Um, I don't I don't think uh, it's necessarily a case of, you know, one has to go before one can come in. Uh, but I think there will have to be, a, if you like, a confidence that certain players can be moved out or can be let go um, in order to bring players in. Uh, because you, what you wouldn't want to be left with come February 1st is X amount of players who you didn't manage to move on, who you're then paying a wage to until the end of the year but they're not actually registered in your squad and they can't actually play for that reason. Um, 
because ultimately you, you're wasting money and that's not the sustainable kind of direction Middlesbrough want to go in. But yeah, clearly Chris Wilder wants to, to do business early and uh, and he does want to be busy. I mean, if you look at the squad, I think the big thing for him and he keeps talking about it is, is balance. He wants balance in that squad and I wouldn't be surprised. There are three goalkeepers at Middlesbrough at the moment and uh, Dejan Stjanovic, rather surprisingly hasn't had a chance under Chris Wilder and I can only presume that he, he's kind of came to the conclusion that um you know he doesn't quite fancy him or or Dejan Sianovic perhaps is still um you know in the same mind frame in terms of wanting to leave the club but but either way I could definitely see him trying to to move out one of those three goalkeepers and bringing in another we need the club need another right wing back but I would be very surprised if that wasn't sorted by recalling Jed Spence from Nottingham Forest. It seems a natural thing to bring him in. I know people talk about Isaiah Jones, brilliant again yesterday, but you know we talked about that balance and we saw that on the left-hand side at wing-back yesterday in the fact that Mark Bowler was missing, but in-slotted Neil Taylor seamlessly, who again, I'd be very surprised based on yesterday if he wasn't offered an extended contract beyond mid-January. And I think he's he stated quite clearly, hasn't he, that um, you know, upfront is the priority and um I would expect certainly one will arrive, uh, potentially even two strikers next month uh could be needed. Um and and that might depend on, on Uchi Piazzo who I'm while you know I I like him personally, I think he's got a great attitude. I'm not convinced he's suited to Chris Wilder's style. Uh, and I think that's reflected in the the lack of football he's playing under Chris Wilder. And I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if he was one of the players who who Wilder has decided to move on. And and that would probably mean that another two strikers are needed next month. As I say, Wilder's been clear; he wants to do that early. Um, they are in advanced talks with with a number of clubs slash players about potentially bringing players in. Um, obviously they won't reveal who those players are at this moment. They won't want to scupper their own deals. Um, but but clearly they are being proactive and they're working hard to do this work as early as possible. So, um, very as writing me notes, said get the, <laughs> get, the, get everything in. Um, advanced talks, of course proactive um and then it's also very refreshing to hear tom that we're trying to get th- things done early doors there's a couple yeah. of days i just missed on, on craig's thing then i was like oh i need to put that in <laughs> yeah definitely refreshing to hear that like i said earlier we left quite a lot to, to deadline day last january and although deadline day signing's exciting you've already missed like one month of the season by that point so yeah, as as long as we can get people in for the the Mansfield game, hopefully game playing on that game, get a nice like thump and four nil win or something to get the confidence up and then get them get them going for the rest of the season. Absolutely, um, Dana Lonely is looking likely, um, but of course, as as Craig was mentioning there, Middlesbrough don't have to sell. Uh, they can bring in more players, but appreciate of course for the twenty five, you need to get you have to bring in. You can bring in one, one more in, but of course, there's. But have no restrictions in terms of transfers and bringing in and letting go. Um, but is it a slight concern that we're putting an over reliance on a short term fix with quite a lot of loan signings being mentioned? It depends how lengthy the loan deals are because, of course, they can only be six months, but they could potentially go towards maybe next next summer as well. I'm not sure. I wouldn't mind a short term fix at the moment. <laughs> I mean, this is all 
with the view in mind of potentially making that more long term in the summer. So if we have a short term fix from now until the summer, I wouldn't mind it if it means that in the summer we do move forward with bringing in players for the long term. But I don't mind it because certain loan players can really push you forwards. And if we are in a situation where we just need that extra little bit of quality to get us maybe into the top six, then I'm all for it, to be honest. Yeah, would you, would you like to hear from Borough's new recruitment uh, manager, uh, Kieran, uh, Andy Scott? Sorry, Kieran, Kieran, Andy Scott, they're all the same, <laughs> isn't it? It's all, all the Scots. Michael um, Scott, get him in there. Mike, Michael Scott, I mean, Tom Webb going to see Spider Man today, so I mean, it's just that absolute Spider Man. Just to clarify that. Just to clarify. Where's my invite? Yeah, true. I mean, sorry, you, you must have missed the invite then. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to say, with all the Scots, it'd be nice to hear from at least one of them, wouldn't it, to hear about Boris' transfer plans? Yeah, it would be. And I think that is on the agenda because I was reading the Middlesbrough supporters forum detailing it, basically, and that's something that they want to happen in the new year. So it'd be good to hear from him. I know we already have, but a more in-depth interview would be would be nice. Sorry, this is this is Kieran Scott I'm talking about, but it would also be nice to hear from, from Andy Scott. I mean, technically, he's not at the club right now because he hasn't been confirmed, but... <clears throat> excuse me. It would be good to hear from both of them. Hear from all the Scots. All and the Scots. Scott. <laughs> and I'm Scott, yeah. <laughs> Mills were re signed Gordon Strachan to for, for, for Scott. <laughs> uh, but how many players do you think we need then? How many think, players do you think we need? It's going to be a very busy month, isn't it, for Middlesbrough, both in and out? Uh, Tom, how many do you think? I reckon five, and that's kind of based on who I think is going to be leaving and who I think might be coming back as well. Obviously, Spence coming back is probably the 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 one everyone kind of just assumes is going to happen. Um, I'd be interested to kind of see where his head's at if that does happen, though, because uh, you're going to be mm. going from playing regularly in a Forest team and, and you're being loved by the, the supporters to being competition for Jones, who is probably in that position for us. He's playing regularly and loved by the supporters, so... Yeah, I'd be interested to kind of see where his head's back, uh, where his head is when he comes back. Uh, but also, I do feel like Stojanovic might leave. I feel like Grant Hall might leave because um, I don't think he kind of fits too well into into what um, Chris Wilder wants in in the centre back positions. Uh, Uche, I think, could leave, and then I know we were after two strikers anyway. Um, I, do think we'd be after another centre back, more of a kind of ball playing centre back, hopefully left footed as well. Um, another goalkeeper and probably another option in centre midfield. So there's quite quite a few options there, Don, isn't there? What you're going for? Um, but Dana, what, what about you? What do you think? And who do you think? How, how many players do you think we need, and how many players do you think are going to go? I think Stjanovic will go, so I think we'll need another keeper. Whether that happens in January or whether it happens in the summer, who knows? but I reckon it could well be an immediate priority just because we've already seen under Wilder so far that we've that he's played both Daniels and uh, Lumley. So it shows that there's something. And I know that Lumley was injured, but he did come back on the bench for a game where Luke Daniels was uh, in between the sticks. So goalkeeper, left-footed centre-half, two strikers. And much depends on James Lissalicki. Craig did mention it in the, in the, in the audio clip. Um, but we have to edit it out just for time uh, reasons. But it, it will be interesting to hear about James Liss Leakey and whether or not he has a future at the club because, of course, he was brought in under Warnock. I don't think he was a Warnock signing per se, but he 
just hasn't really got going, to be honest. And with the African Cup of Nations looming, um, Cameroon now the host nation. So if he's if he's in the squad, he's definitely going. Um, because they're definitely going. So that will mean he misses about maybe max of five games. He certainly misses that FA Cup tie against Mansfield, which would be a really good game for him to really get going. But it just it just doesn't seem to have really happened too much for James Lesley. So he could potentially leave. And then of course, as I mentioned, we'll we will be looking for strikers. Uche, I think, could leave. Um Hall, I, I do agree with Tom. I think Hall might be might be one that leaves as well. I know he's both interested in Jed Spence and appreciate his love by the sports on Nottingham Forest, but I mean we do need to go to Manjaro's very soon if he does to come if he is to come back. Yeah, um, he's loved by us. That's yeah, good loved enough, by right? us. So that's that's enough, you know. Who I mean what what fan base gets if Jed scores with going to Manjaro's across the riverside? Do you know what I mean? What, across the riverside pitch, you know? So what, what what fan group does that? You know, what, what podcast would do that? I mean, just just does a just does a guess. Just does idiots. Just does idiots, yeah. Um, but it, it's a complicated move, is it, Jed Spence? Because it can be a case of is Forrest him staying there the best move for him in his career right now? Or is it a club thing where Bora need to look at Jed Spence and go, Well, we actually do need cover, we actually own one, regardless if he's gonna play or not, we need someone to help cover that position. So then, what do you think? Do you think it's a, it's going to be a case of we we do bring him back? Craig, we appreciate said there that it was it looked a bit likely too. So do you think it's a good move all around, or do you think Jed should stay out? Hmm, it's it's difficult because yeah, he's going to come in, and I don't think he's going to be straight into the side. Whereas a matter of games ago, you'd probably said that he would have come straight back into the sides if. Hmm. Uh, recall from Forest, but you look at the league table, they're just a point above us, so they're a promotion rival, potentially, they're a playoff rival, so, and he's playing very well for them, so you know, I think personally we should bring him back, just for reasons of, I mean we could potentially miss out on a on a sixth place finish and Jed Spence could score the goal that that kicks us out of it. So, yeah, it's probably one. It, it's a difficult one because do you want to potentially hinder his development because he's progressing really well at Forest? He's got the momentum. But I think you probably have to for not only the reasons that I've just mentioned, but also for competition as well for Jones. Hmm. For me, I, I'm going to be the unpopular opinion here. Uh, I'm going to say keep Jed on loan. Um, for me, I think where Jed's at currently, he's playing very well. He's happy there. You know, he's playing his best football at Nottingham Forest. Middlesbrough might have to take a small financial hit in January window to try and bring in a right back. But I think when Jed does come back and Middlesbrough choose to sell, then you're going to repay that and more. I think the the, the financial decision of it, of, of him trying to build his value up at Nottingham Forest for us to sell him in the summer would be probably more would be better for Millsbury in a business case than it would be in a in a in a footballing case. I think if if Bora were to bring in a right back now, I think there's definitely options down to, to try and bring someone in. So there you know, I don't think it's a I don't think necessarily a, a bad thing that we keep him out on loan. Um I think it's very much down to the player and what he wants to do. And I think it should stick to that as well. If he wants to stay out night on forest, let him stay out night on forest. You don't want someone who's half in, half out. You want someone who's going to give it hundred percent too. And I think It'd probably be the best move all around. Not not initially, because obviously poor fans will think, well, why is he not coming back and small financial hit? But long term, it could be a very good move for the, all of us. 
Um, but let's let's look ahead to Boxing Day then now because COVID permitting, Borough will play Nottingham Forest at the Riverside in a six pointer uh, and against um, six pointer for the playoff spot against a rejuvenated Forest. So we asked Chris from the NFCC pod uh, to give us a little bit of insight on what's life like under Steve Cooper's Nottingham Forest. For a breakdown, hope you're all well. I'm sure you are after your impressive win over Bournemouth at the weekend. Um, I thought you played really well in this and yeah, definitely deserved the win. Um, it looks to be a tough Boxing Day fixture for both of us, I'd say. Um, we're one one loss in 16 now, unbeaten in nine. Um, going on a really good run. Obviously, probably the most informed team since Cooper took over. I think 30 points in the last 15 games. If we can keep that up, then um, we should be looking at a top six finish. But it's uh, obviously easier said than done. Um, but I'm expecting... Borough to go on a similar run, if I'm honest. I'm a big fan of Wilder. Um, would have taken him at Forest, I think. Um, I think it was between him and Cooper. Um, I think we've got two really good managers between us. And if, looking at the league table, if there's two teams that are going to break into that top six, I'd say it's, it's probably a Forest and Borough. Um, so I'm expecting a really tough game. Um how we'll set up, we'll probably go three at the back again. Normally we've been going three at the back against the better teams in the league. Um, we can switch to a four at the back, but I, I do prefer us with a three at the back. Um, we've got good numbers back there. It will likely be Joe Worrell, a right centre-back, uh, McKenna, definitely a left centre-back. And then in between that, it's switched between Tobias Figueredo and Ryan Yates. Obviously, Ryan Yates normally plays centre midfield, but he's really got all the attributes to be a centre-back for me, um, wins the ball in the air, one of his best attributes. Um, technically on the ball, he's not the best. So if he's playing centre-back, it helps him a lot. He can just play forward. I think that's the way we'll go. Um, we could be really light for wing-backs in this one. Um, obviously, Jed Spence ineligible to play right right wing-back. That would be a big loss for us. Um, left wing-back... We're normally playing Jordi Ose Tutu, who's on loan from Arsenal. A really good player. Been struggling with a lot of injuries at the start of the season. He's only appeared three games for us. Um, he he got he came off against Hull, had a knock. Hopefully he'll be back for this one. If he is, he'll be playing right wing back. Um, left wing back, Max Lowe. He's out injured. He start, start training again in the week. Possibly this one comes too early for him. So Jack Colback will probably slot in at left wing back. Um, that will be a worry for me up against, obviously, Isaiah Jones, who's playing unbelievable for you at the minute. Um, with his pace, you can really cause problems down that side. So that's probably one thing I'd watch out for. Maybe Max Lowe will get back and that will help us out, but I don't see him being back in time. Obviously, Jed Spence, like I said, um, we've got, got him on loan from you guys. He's, he'll be a big loss. He's been a big player for his as we all keep saying, keep raving about on Twitter. Um, he just progresses the ball for us so well with his progressive runs. It's so similar to what I've seen of Jones um, get at defenders. And we're not the best passing te- team technically, uh, progressing it through the middle, but with passing-wise, it's not really our game. We've not really got the players to do that. So with our, our wing-backs are massive for us. Um, it's how we progress the ball up the field and hurt teams. And he started to get a real good combination going with Brennan Johnson, who likes to drift to that right-hand side if he's playing in a fluid front three. Um, that'll be where we're going to probably try and hurt you. Uh, Paddy McNair, left centre-back for you. I imagine we'll be just trying to get balls in behind him, 
for Brendan Johnson to run on to, uh, get Brennan to maybe pull him out wide, to get him isolated. That'll be the way we'll we'll attack things. Obviously, a lot a lot tougher to do um, when we've not got the good combination of Brennan Johnson and uh, Jed Spence on the right. If if Jordio say two two can't play right wing back, that'll be a huge loss. And obviously, we'll, we'll probably have to go into the under twenty threes maybe or. Um, we did sign a player from Olympiacos called Mohamed Draga, who we've, he's a right-back, but we've not seen hardly any of him this season. Cooper, seemingly, I don't think fancies him. So uh, what will happen there, I'm not sure. Could be a big, big advantage for you. Um, the Jed, Sped things, Jed Sped, uh, Spence thing, I'd love to, to get your guys' views on it. The January transfer window, I, I think it's probably obvious that you'll probably recall him. I think it's, I think it's a little... Um, Disappointing that you, you could have two great young right backs playing if you if you let him stay, but obviously you, you we're like what a point above you, sitting between you and the playoffs. If we get the playoffs by one point and he's a big player for us, and you miss out by one point because of us, that's not going to look great, is it? So I feel like you've got to you've got to bring him back. But on the other hand, it would be great for you to have a an asset that's playing and improving all the time. Um. Maybe we try and buy him off you in January. I don't know. You, maybe you slap a t- price tag on him with um, Isaiah Jones playing. Obviously, Jed Spence will come back and probably not play as much as he is now. Well, he definitely probably won't play as much as he is now. Um, do you slap a price tag on him and say, give us three, four, five million? I don't know what what, what it would be. Um, that's possible. Um, but yeah, big player for us. And um, yeah. It'll be a tough game on Boxing Day. The best team wins. Um, Prediction-wise, 0-0, 1-1, a goal in it. Either way, I think it's going to be fine margins in this one. Two, two good teams on the up, I'd say. Anyway, good luck. So fine margins uh, from Chris then. A lot was saying there about wing-back wing conundrum there as well. A few injuries here and there. It could be quite difficult for them, but it's going to be a very, very tough game. But then... A very rejuvenated Nottingham Forest under Steve Cooper. Uh, are you surprised by the turnaround? Because they were absolutely hopeless when we played them earlier on in the season. Yeah, we've played some bad teams this season, but Forest are probably the worst team that we've played. And that that move from, well, away from Chris Hewton really was a good one from Forest. But yeah, they, they seem to have had that new, man, new manager bounce and then some, to be honest. I think we can't really call it that anymore because it's, it's been quite lengthy, their, their good form. But maybe to a degree, I guess, because I didn't particularly rate for um, Steve Cooper at, at Swansea, to be fair. But yeah, they're, they're going really well and they do have some really good players in fairness to them. So I think it will be a, a an interesting game. Two teams that have um, better form and, uh, and are in good form. So yeah, I'm interested to see how this game's going to go. Absolutely. Tom, what do, you, what do you think? How do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I think it's a bit mad that this game you've you've said is a, a playoff six-pointer considering where both teams were when we last played them. Like, they looked as good as relegated and we weren't like, I mean, we were better. We weren't anywhere near the relegation, but we weren't anywhere near where we are now either. Um, looking at their their form, uh, obviously they are in great form. They've not actually lost since the 24th of October, which I believe was a 4-0 loss to Fulham. Um, but in their last five away games, they've only actually won one of them and it is mainly draws. So you can understand why uh 
you know the the forest fans said it was going to be a, a game of uh, fine margins. I feel like we will probably do okay with it though. Uh, I think that you know we're getting the Riverside back to kind of being a fortress. So it's early days with that, but we know that that's where that's gonna where we're gonna pick up most of our points. Um, and hopefully we can just capitalise on the fact that they're going to have trouble at wing back and and kind of really use that to our advantage. Absolutely, It'll be interesting to see if we try and overload that left hand side, especially if the if the both of their wing backs are, are currently out. But what is what's your prediction to the game, guys? I know Chris was saying it's going to be a tight game, could be one goal either way. But what are you thinking? Danger goal. Go we've played, yeah, we've played Forest on Boxing Day before, haven't we? And that was 3 0. So I'm going to go 3 0 again. Why not? 3 0. Why not? Eh? Um, and then, uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? I'll go for 2 0. 2 0 to Bora. I'm going to go 2 1. I think I'm going to go 2 1. I feel like they're going to sneak on towards the end. But overall, I think we, we just, just have enough to beat them. Um, but let's move on to questions for the week. So on Twitter, you send the questions in every Saturday and we record them on, on the podcast and answer them. Uh, so. First one up is from Danny Beardmore. He says, would you sign Sparrow permanently? I think he would complement a, complement a more prolific striker, but also chip in a few goals himself. Uh, Dana, what do you think? Andrew Sparrow, he's only on loan for the season. Um, what do you think? I would, but not for the reported fee that the that the permanent deal is. I think that was around £8 million. For me, I think probably about half that, just because mm. he's not particularly clinical enough to really warrant a, an eight million pound price tag but if it's a lesser fee than that then absolutely yeah absolutely um for me 100 percent, i absolutely love him but yeah not eight million four million definitely mm. um next one tom it's from rob fletcher he says who is getting dropped when the new signings come in or will we just be looking to bulk out the squad i hope no one's getting dropped um i, I don't think anyone deserves to be dropped at the moment um like i said before you always stick with a winning team and that's what we're doing at the moment i feel like it will be to bulk out the squad but we also know from the last couple of weeks with like fry coming in in place of bamba lumley coming back in goal i don't think wild is afraid to make those decisions with a winning team um so it, i mean it's possible that someone could drop out but i don't think on current form anyone particularly deserves to i feel like those those options are going to be there uh on, on the bench and they're gonna to have to take their uh chance when when it comes to them absolutely absolutely um it's good for competition for places but next question i'm gonna stick with you tom um because you said well, like most improved players um most Spencer asks us most improved player under chris wilder you were saying there's competition for places now but who's been the most improved since he's came in for me, I feel like Matt Crooks. I, I think okay. um, now that well, he's, that you know what, he, he was kind of being used as <laughs> as a, <laughs> a mid, midfield target man under under Warnock, and a, a lot of the ball coming to him was was just always in the air. I think now that he's he's got that uh, that role in the midfield where he's actually allowed to play with the ball at his feet, I think he's doing much better. Uh, I, I think he suits this system a lot more. Okay, um, Dana. I know you've got you got a thought of Matt Crooks there, but who 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 do you who do you think's the most improved then? That's I would that. say Housen. Housen straight off yeah. the bat because I never really rated Housen under Warnock. I think his weaknesses were were magnified really, but he's been really good. I think since Wilder came in, pretty much faultless. 
So I pro- mm. I would say Housen straight off the bat. Yeah, the system very much benefits Johnny Housen in a long, long way. Um, he feels he just looks rejuvenated. Um, but let's next move on. Next question. It's from Leon. He says, "Do you think Piero will get a chance next game?" Tav is good with defensive work and off the ball play, but we need to we need to be killing games, and Piero seems to be a better fit on the front foot. Dana, do you want to take that one? I think with that, just because of the balance in midfield, and I'm not sure how good Piero is on his uh, weaker left foot, but I, not for Tav. I think if anyone, it's for Crooks, just because right foot around the right. Um, but yeah, I don't think he could drop Tav after that game yesterday. I mm. thought he was good. He simplified a lot of things. There was one moment in the first half where I think he did overcomplicate it. We lost the ball in our own half. But then after that, he simplified a lot of what he was doing and he created a lot of good chances. Uh, I think two for, for Sparrow. He won the ball on the uh, out wide and then immediately released it to Duncan Watmore before um, Gary Cahill took him down and, uh, and got a yellow card. So I don't think you can drop Tav after that game yesterday because I feel like a goal contribution is coming with Tav. So it, it I, I guess much depends on fitness, to be honest, but um, it wouldn't be too much of a bad thing for uh, for Piero to come in. But I, I just don't think that he will change that midfield at the moment. I don't think you will either. Um, I think if anything, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go for a full house. I'm going to say house and I think you'd switch and put Crooks in more of a defensive role and, have PR on one side and Tav on the other. I feel like that'd probably be the the best. I think that'd be the best, best midfield for him. Um, <laughs> uh, I see him and he's mint man. Uh, but ne- the next question is from Kev. Um, I'm going to stick with you. And he says, uh, actually, I'll come with you, Tom. And he says, should Tav be dropped from the squad for a few games? Kev's really disappointed uh, with, with Tav um, over the last last 10 games or so. Every time he has the ball, I know he's going to give it away somehow or miss a good chance. Tom, yes, no. I, I, I don't agree with that, and I, I don't think he should be dropped from the squad. I don't think he, he should be kept there purely for the sake of balance and having a left footer there. Because um, I, I feel like you know th- there are different angles that a right footer can play in that position, uh, passing wise. But I do think he's contributed in other ways. Like I was saying earlier, he seems to have added that um, uh, you know physicality to his game. I think his passing's been been good. I think, like Dana said, a goal contribution is coming, but I don't think that's what he should be judged on in in this system. Um, I, I think he is doing well um, and, and progressing well under under Wilder. I'm sure a goal contribution will come, um, but he's, he's doing a lot of other other things well at the moment. Mm. Well, it, it, what, what do you think we should be should be assessing him on then? From what you're saying there. Well, passing rate being one of them, I don't think he's he's. He is the type of player who's given it away in in any kind of like bad position. Um, I think, like I said, the the fact that he's added physicality to his game, very very happy with that. I think in that centre midfield role, it is going to be a, a strength for him now that he he does seem to be be doing that. Um, and you know, I mean, in terms of of goal contributions, it's maybe not the assist we should be looking at, but the assist of the assist. If he can be be getting it to someone in a better position who is likely to assist, uh, you know he's not going to get the plaudits for that, and and people might not not kind of see it. But if the move's starting with him, um, or, or even he's just playing a vital role in that, then uh, you know it, it is going to be important to the team. Mm. Yeah, Rugel does say that it's a, it's that third that third position before you you tend to create a chance or a mistake will happen is. 
is the reason why things happen in football. I mean, so it'll be interesting. Me, me and you both know it from from our jobs, attribution models. It can can just be like yeah. a, a click earlier in the journey. Yeah, exactly. You know, everyone loves an attribution model. I mean, especially on a, on a board breakdown call as well. Um, but last last couple of questions. One's from Charlie. He says, "Do you think the postponements from COVID could play a favor in uh, play a favor in Boris's case because we have a, a low we have a low squad um, and there's a fixture overload as well? So would COVID play a part in in Boris's season, Dana? Because it's going to catch up to you eventually, isn't it? Well. Let's hope not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's probably <clears throat> it's probably likely to. But um, if other teams are being hit by postponements, then that really knocks the stuff out of their momentum. If there's teams mm. like, for example, if it hits Blackburn, the way that they're going at the moment under Tony Mowbray, that could really derail their season almost. So it could work in Borough's favour if we don't get the performance. But who knows, to be honest, it's probably going to get us at some point. I know there's one positive COVID case within the playing squad at Borough, so hopefully that doesn't that doesn't spread, but it's it's probably inevitable that it will, the way that football's going at the moment, the way the world's going, really, with the Omicron variant. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the next question we've got from Ian, I just want to cover it really quickly. Um, Tommy just says, Neil Taylor's performance. Uh, Neil, uh, Ian thought uh, he was really good, composed, looked tireless, which is made... Uh, for all the impressive given uh, you've been out the game for such a long while. I know we covered it earlier in the podcast, but overall, happy with Neil Taylor? Happy with that performance, yeah. Like I say, he needs to yep. do it consistently. Um, but yeah, yesterday I thought he looked eager to impress, and, and he did. And then the final question is from Simon. He says, who do you think are the other two teams getting promoted this season along with Borough? Um, way too early to tell, of course. But who are you going to go for? Top two promotion, who are you going to go? Go on, Dana, take it. Well, Fulham are the best team in the league, so I have to go Fulham. Well, actually, second only to us. We'll we'll keep that trend going. Um, of getting carried away. Um, but then, fancy Blackburn, Blackburn, you know? Yeah, Blackburn look really fancy good. Blackburn, I mean, embarrassing for me because I thought that they might be right on the bottom of the table this season. But to be fair, since Ben Broughton became Ben Broughton Diaz, they've done really well, and they've got some good players: Joe Rothwell, John Buckley. Um, I think they've got a, a fairly decent defence after or post 7-1 defeat um, to Fulham. So, yeah, they've got some good ingredients. I think they could be could be one to go up. Okay, then. Um, so that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. And thank you to the listener for listening to us. Uh, it's been a bit of a longer one than, than usual. We thought we'd give you a longer one, given I sounded like Sean Dyche last week. Um, <laughs> so, but guys, thank you very much, as always. Bora Shine at the Riverside with a steely performance over Bournemouth, which sees him move two points closer to the playoffs. Oh, it's a hope that kills you, isn't it? Uh, this is the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was all your master chatter in the pod. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 